Bam, we're here. Stock tip Dave is on the on the ones and twos. He's over there trying to promote. You got to get now you know Dave, we got to get early working. Early. Like if we're thinking working. about YouTubing this live and we're getting it going, you got to just you got to come in early, get that shit promoted, let people know where it is cuz right now the only people probably watching are like your father and your cousin who you owe money to in Orange County. <laughs> yeah, I'll, but, do more, I'll do more promotion for next week. Yeah, do do more promotion. Get it going, Dave. That's, I'll what, get that's it going. what we're bringing you in for. I'm dropping cash on you. You know what I mean? 20 here, 40 there. I'm trying to make it work. And uh, it's, but it's all, it's all good. It's all good. But what a week it's been. Uh, just a quick, it's Mike Young here. Stories that need to be told. We're just getting our groove going live. Got my man Dustin Harnish in the house, who we know. I met him at Goal. I'll get into that in a second. But you know, we start picking up characters in our lives in LA. And you start meeting people, and you know you don't know where you're going to meet people at the gym. Where you're going to make a new friend. Goal was our local spot. That's where we yeah, met Darnish, uh, Dustin Darnish. By the way, good oh, nickname. D, D and Harnish, yeah. Darnish. <laughs> this like is Darnish. I'll take it. So met Dustin there. Didn't know, <laughs> knew he was an actor, knew he was doing his voiceover stuff, but didn't know he was way into boxing. But in a minute, we'll get into boxing because that's my love and passion. Boxing, and it's his as well. Because. And not only do I know that from what you told me, but I saw him at the gym the other day, and he was in a Rocky Balboa plastic suit, trying to lose weight. So I know it's I know it's real. When you when you when you drape in plastic, you know it's real. Stock tip, Dave. Strong morning. I'll recap what's going on. So my little adventure on the way to the meeting. Full adventure. So <laughs> I just last week I told you I'm, we're, we're trying to get my show single mic up and running so I did shot this little sizzle thing called single mic 10 minute reel everybody watched it really dug it it's a fun little it's my little R-rated Seinfeld I'm excited so I had a meeting this morning I knew about last week but the meeting was this morning to kind of just like solidify what's going to happen with it and how we're going to shoot it and present it and blah 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 but I had Dave pick me up because you're unofficially my assistant that I call but he shows up hand him a 20 and I figure, you know what, I'm going to take Dave, because Dave's like a good character that could potentially, even if it's not you playing you, it might be you. We'll see what's up. But Dave's like a good character <laughs> that you meet in L.A., so I figure maybe I'll take Dave into the meeting. It'll be his first real meeting, like a development meeting. But Dave picks me up, and he's wearing, he's wearing pajamas that are checkered, and he's wearing dress shoes. So he and didn't a, go to the meeting. I couldn't find my shoes. Shut them right down. Yeah. Dave, you're not going to the meeting, but he's like, listen, I promise, I promise you, I could 100%, I could definitely go into Target and buy some jeans right now. Just, just please, I know I'll be on time. Bottom line is, I had him drop me off because I don't like to be late at all to meetings, but I was actually early. Dave came back with a pair of dope ripped jeans that you got on sale from still, somewhere. Still wearing them. Still rocking nice. them. Dave's got new ripped, cool, casual jeans that he bought. Tried to make the meeting, but I figured since there was one person in the meeting who I was just meeting for the first time, I'm not bringing Dave into the meeting. So you just, Dave chilled out. It was at Henson Studios where Jim Henson did all his Muppets. I did make it in time. You totally made it on time. <laughs> and uh, and the meeting went great without you, even though you were down the hall sitting in a corner in somebody else's office uh, by yourself. But it was all good. But <laughs> but just I'll give I like to give a quick rehab re recap on like what was last week and now where we're at. So I was talking about the book deal. You know, I'm doing this white boy, Rick. I don't know, Dustin, if you've ever heard of white boy. Sure, Rick. Yeah. So white boy, Rick, they shot a movie starring Matthew McConaughey. They shot the movie. It's in the can. And Harper Collins wants to hire me to write the book. 
about awesome. his life. And it's very cool. And so I'm already in motion writing. I'll just be honest. I can, I can talk about it now. But I'm already five chapters in. And I really wasn't allowed to say too much about it because it's just a temperamental thing. And they want to rush the book because the movie comes out in the summer. And every week I talk to Rick. You know, he's been locked up now almost 30 years. And I talk to him probably three, four times a week. And it's heavy shit, man. And it's like being, it's so crazy when you're a comedian and like more than half your life is about making people laugh and like joking about things. And then you got a buddy that's been locked up for 30 years. And there's not a lot of laughter going on when you're locked up for 30 years. It's, it's no bullshit. You know what I mean? This is like, they threw away the key on this guy. Thank God he's going to get out in a year, but they gave him life. And, you know, me, the comedian in me never stops. So sometimes I'll try to crack a joke and like at least get him to laugh. Mm -hmm. But he's not really flowing with the laughs. Every now and then he'll laugh. And I don't know if you ever had a friend in jail or anyone you know in prison. But like, it's real. It's serious. It's like we could joke about it and talk about it. And I always see comedians like I even saw Martin Lawrence talk about like he's got a cousin. And, you know, his joke was that like. You know, brothers, if you're out there, you know we know somebody in jail. Well, you know, I'm not black, but I have a friend in jail, a couple of them. But this one in particular, it's been heavy because I want to get the book right out of respect for what he's been through. And so, like, the you know, we still have to kind of communicate a little bit with a code. But that being said, we're in motion. I turned in two chapter, uh, three chapters to the company last week. And I, I just I bring it up because I just got an email that the editor, he had, he sent me back his edits. And one of the nightmares of a book situation, unless you're Stephen King, you're not going to get redline copies of an edit. But like for my brain, I get back like these paragraphs with like marks and red and blue and like cut mm. this sentence, but move it. It's like, I want to say, yo bro, don't do that shit with me. Mm. Like I know how my boy talks and I know what it's, I know the facts and I, it's a memoir written in his voice, first person. So let it roll. Like let the dialogue roll. Don't be crafty. So I they're, they're editing down the dialogue. They want they want less curse words, kind of stuff like that. It's not even the curse words. It's like and listen. By the way, I pro the way my boy talks. He is a little not redundant, but he flow. He like goes stream of consciousness a lot. So I wanted to the same way Iceberg Slim wrote Pimp in his own language that is very specific to his world. I wanted to honor that for Rick, who speaks a very, he's got his own way of talking. And so the first edit that came back was like chopping up his way of talking. And I can't allow that for the book. Like it can't be like that. It has to be, you know, like he says things like, you know, like, hey bro, to be honest with you and just to be real, he'll you know say something that's redundant. Really, yeah. But if you're gonna dive in and feel someone's voice, you got to be, you got to honor that and like go with it. So too bad for the editor. I'm sorry, but you got to, this is a character. This is and a real people will, will relate to that because, you know, there's a lot of people in society that speak like that. And that's, that's what they familiarize with. You know? Exactly. So it's so funny because it's like this business is so interesting because if you're not, and I don't mean in the streets, like in the street streets, but like 
even though, even just me being out and about all the time at the comedy clubs, on the patio, in the you know, hanging out, getting to know people, feeling people, feeling what's going on, you start to realize why so many executives are out of touch with things. They're not in the streets. They're not. They're not living a life. They're not living these full lives. And by the way, why would they? They got families. They got things to do. They got you know real job. You know their job is their job. And I'm not knocking them. And a lot of them are great high level thinkers, no doubt. But some of the shit that like the gritty stuff and like the real detailed stuff, they're not going to get because it doesn't even connect with them. Well, that's our job. You know, as the right. artists, we get in there. We we watch people every day. We build bridges we listen to our relationships the people that are close to us we talk to the people out there and they have a voice yeah actually i'm sorry uh, but keep your if you speak that way it sounds better i don't know if you could right here oh yeah just like yeah just keep it in front of you just boom. so you uh boom there you go boom. my bad all right yeah but it's that that's that's our job the artist the writer to get in the director as yourself is uh you get in there and you 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 have a vision you want to bring clarity and truth to the picture and tell it like it is. The visuals are important. Yeah. Absolutely. You got to paint that picture. And and sometimes you'll just get those notes back from someone that's just like chopping up the picture. Right. You know what I mean? But it's part of the game. And the game's changing, believe it or not. The game is changing. And artists with business savvy minds are starting to get more power and more control, which is a beautiful thing. And like we had that meeting this morning and they were just like two super cool executive people. Like, yo, you don't meet these type of people. Like they were like, go with your vision. We're with you on this. Like, I want to give you your space. I was like, holy shit, is this real? Did you tell them about the podcast? They know about the podcast, but I didn't tell them about, we didn't talk about it this morning because for the sync, for the show, like the show is going to be based on based on my life and my friend. It's my R-rated Seinfeld is what it is. But it's a group of guys that also play in a hockey league together because I play in a hockey league. Okay. And it, it's kind of how like men's league or, or leagues, adult leagues, they're the great equalizers for people. So if you are the grip on a movie, but you're the best on my hockey team, you are the man. The hockey yeah. But if you are Oscar winning director, you know what I mean, and you're on my hockey team, but you can't play hockey too good, you ain't shit you're at out. hockey. You're, out. you're on the bench. <laughs> Sorry, bro. I know you could probably give everyone a job in your movies, but and you won an Oscar and you're dope at, at directing and writing. You're incredible. But if you don't help us get the championship, you're out, bro. Yeah, you're there to play hockey. I you're can, there be, to play I can hockey. be your enforcer. I'm a big intimidating presence. Yeah, you are. You, you are. Five zero, five feet, hundred and six pounds. I'll tell you what, <laughs> hey. though, I'm gonna teach this kid how to punch. Teach him how to punch. We're gonna teach him how to punch, and and he will be a bad man. Hey. We're gonna put you in the ring with Connolly when it's all over. I don't even want Connolly to get involved. Connolly's tough, man. I know he'll hear this. I, and I go, Young, it. don't even say that. I'll punch him in the shoulder. I'll end his life. <laughs> don't even do it. Connolly is very. I tough. I got the fist of fury that I'm famous for. Yes, but we're gonna t- teach you how to how to throw a real punch. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's that that's that's the book recap. And the little TV recap that I was talking about from last week. But more importantly, we got my man Dustin here. And, like, we always go to goal. And that was our local sports bar. And they're under renovation or something. We don't know what's going on right now. But we've made a lot of relationships in that place. And stock tip, Dave, we met at goal. And Dustin, we met at goal. And you never know how you're going to connect. 
but Dustin is uh, been out here in LA for a while, and he's asked to come on the podcast a couple times. And I'm a boxing fanatic, and my family was involved in boxing since I was a kid. And he said he was into boxing and he wanted to come talk boxing. And I was like, you know what, bro? If you really want to talk boxing, let's talk boxing. So what's your back? What is your background in? In your backgrounds in more kickboxing or started in boxing? Started in boxing. Yeah, when I was a kid going to school, I was an only child and I was kind of husky. I was playing on the football team and starting to, that's where I got the bag suit idea from was my grandpa was a boxing trainer. Yeah. And he was a big Portuguese man and he, my, all his sons were boxers um, and he, they're all badass dudes. And they used to tell me, Dustin, don't be such a pussy. Don't let, this, don't let these guys, you know, fucking slap you on the yeah. way home. Yeah. Stop getting your ass kicked. Yeah. Right. And it, it was it really rung a bell for me because it was knocking down and demoralizing my self confidence. It was my morale altogether. Just all of that. Your physical, your cardio, your everything. And, and you. So this all came from getting bullied. It came from getting bullied. Oh damn! This is about to become a whole new podcast. I'm with you. Keep rolling. I like it. Well, the thing no, is, let's, let's... look when, when, when I'm totally not a fighter. If you understand what that means, I can fight, and I've been in many street fights. I'm not proud of that, um, but I'm not a fighter. I'm a lover first. My thing is, when you learn how to fight, when you learn whether it's boxing or mixed martial arts or any type of specific art. The number one thing it teaches you is how to discipline yourself and be humble. It teaches you how to not go into the fire. It teaches you how to calmly talk things down with using your biggest tool first, your mouth. Yeah. If you can do that, you know, intelligently. Yeah. I've never been good at that. Well, the thing is, is it's it, crazy. It's empathizing, right? Yeah. The, the, you know what's crazy? I've been it, it faced off with bullies before when I was in school. And I remember one time this guy was just an ass wipe. He's a big fucking dude, and he wanted to just crush me all the time. I couldn't tell you even why. And he came up to me in front of everybody, and he called me some names. I don't even remember. It doesn't matter. But he he, he shoved me. And you, first of all, if you're going to deck someone, you don't shove them first. You just fucking hit them. Yeah. And, and I saw something going on in here, you know, in the lenses. And for me, I've always been really sensitive to people. I don't know, maybe it's just my background and sensitivity with, you know, people and connection. I care about that, though. And um, I looked at this guy and I said, what's going on with you, man? You, yeah. Is, some, is everything cool? Or, are you, you all knock, right at you home? knock him out? Are you all right at home? I did later. Well, only because he sucker punched me. But I'll, I'll get to that in a second. My thing was is that this big, brooding, hulking guy wanted to just pound me down to salt for no bloody reason so my thing is instead of just yeah fuck you let's fight because why why there's never a reason for that get him with an uppercut my thing was like what's going on with you man and and, and it kind of like dropped his defense his offense sort of turned into more of a he like he went into airplane mode he didn't know yeah, you're, he do. was ready to cry and think about his dad beating him at home and that's that, why he was taking it on because on you. something like that yeah. clearly was happening with this guy and that's why those bullies come out and hunt you down because they're really trying to get their own feelings back. They're trying to put their own hate and their own sadness and their own just self-deprecating crap on you because it makes them feel better. I agree. So in reality, being a good person, being a good just person in general, having soul, you should be able to recognize that and see when someone's feeling hurt, someone's fucking up on, in their life, and, and they're just taking it out on you because you're in the way. 
And I think as human beings, before we ever learn how to box, before we ever learn how to do anything, we got to learn how to be with each other first because we share things with each other. We need each other. You know, even in a fight, you watch this ring. You, it's a dance. It's a back and yeah. forth. It's an exchange. It's a throw the ball, catch the ball. Eat my fist, you eat my fist. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's it's boom, a good one. I'm going to step to the left. You're constantly figuring out the other guy and watching his body language, his hips, his eyes. He's playing with your head, you know? Totally. So Boxing is so psychological. It's a connection. Yeah. It really is a dance. It's a connection at the end of the day. And it's no different than when you're you're about to get jumped or you're 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 facing off with a guy that thought you might have looked at his woman anything like that um it's a connection instantly and it's up to you what you choose to do with that i couldn't agree more i've been in a, too many fights in my life to disagree i wish I, I there were so many times where i wish i had the verbal skills to like not go into anger fisticuff mode but i didn't have the capacity the vert, like I just didn't have the middle ground talking ability. I would just say like I almost wanted to write a bit about it last week actually because I was like when I was younger and I would get angry. I didn't make sense when I was talking. I would just be like, "I'll fuck your foot." Yeah. You, know, you just say some crazy. You know what I mean? You just don't have it, which is so ironic that I became a, that I'm a comedian and I talk for a living, but I didn't have that middle that that I couldn't talk while angry and or scared and. I, I, it's funny, man, because I kind of probably came into boxing the same way you did. And this, you know, who know you never know where these podcasts are going to go. But, like, I was bullied by a beast in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. My uncles were both professional boxers. My dad was scrappy and street. My dad was a street guy. <clears throat> and <clears throat> it, got, it got to the point where every day coming home, this dude, though, was 17 when I was 10. Mm -hmm. So he was, he was a man. And he would smack the shit out of me, smack me off my bike, boom, knock me down, kick me on a daily basis. Now, we were like the only Jewish family in the neighborhood. And this was like some next level white trash type of shit. This was mm -hmm. like white boys with guns and leather jacket like type of dudes. rules. Damn. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, like boondock saint type of dudes. Like okay. these dudes were like leather jackets. I remember seeing a guy pull a gun when there was like a fight near the middle school. Like they were on some different level of low income we hate everyone type of shit. And it was very, you don't know that when you're there, but looking back now, I know what it was. It was, you know, whether they hated me because they hated themselves or it was just low income, white trash type of dude who was whooping my ass. Like his boys would have like quarter sticks of dynamite and they'd blow them off like in the streets. And my question <laughs> is, where are the parents? He didn't have a parent. Well, you're not even going to believe this, but like <laughs> he had a, his, I remember that, I remember seeing his dad. And I remember his dad being real old, like for a dad with a 17-year-old. I remember his dad looked gray hair, like looked old. And it could have been his grandfather, truthfully. He might not even have had a dad. But this dude, I would come in crying on a weekly basis to the point where, you know, my dad had friends that were bad guys. They're tough guys. And this is a true story. But finally, I came in for like the last time, you know, because there, physically there was nothing I could do to this dude at 10 years old for yeah. 17. No. None, nothing I had could work. He's a man already. He's a full man and he was fat and a fat ass. And he was just his heavy handed. I just remember getting smacked all the time. So finally, I run inside. I'm crying again for the 20th time this year. And I said, I'm about to say what happened again. And I just see my dad run past me. And I don't, I'd look, all I see is my dad's back 
and I just look and my and the the kids in the middle of the street with his boy and I just see from the behind my dad is throwing punches like bam 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 I just see like 15 punches on this kid and my dad just basically beat him all the way into his house Damn. beat him into his house his boy didn't do shit and sugar ate his ass he sugar ate his ass and I knew my dad my dad was not a he wasn't like a fighter. He, you know, when I was growing up, he just was tough, and I knew that. But he didn't never showed, he never beat me up or See, he never... smacked me in the head once. But he whoops his ass, and then next thing I know, my dad used to work at this all men's health club that was mob connected. And I'm not kidding, and this is not proven that this is why he moved. But in the following week, there was a for sale sign on the guy's lawn, and that family moved, yeah. and they never, I never heard from him again. Wow. Although I have Googled his name. Where is he? Because I was I haven't I wasn't able just to let it go like that. I've he like caused me so much torture as a kid that I literally have Googled him. He's in guess where he is? Florida. Florida, Florida of all places. Of where course. the rest of these motherfuckers go. Where, where, Florida. Where in Florida South is he? Florida. What do you do down there? You know what I mean? Just South Florida. You live but down that's, there. But yeah. that's hey, we had some bullies in my neighborhood, but not to that extent. Yeah, I'm sure. Like you I got a bunch of stories I could tell. Oh, me and Dave, we've 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 got a we've got a script that we're writing about such things right yeah, now. Actually. I'm 12 pages in. Forgive me for not finishing it. I've just <laughs> no. been busy. It's, but you know, bullies. I mean, it's something we as guys can very much connect to. Yeah, and, hey, I, and I think look. Hey, my own brother kicked me into a cactus. I've been shot in the back with a dart gun, <laughs> shot in the foot with a pellet gun, <laughs> all by my neighbor who thought it was funny just to shoot from close by with his little toys that he always would always get. Yeah, no, that's nothing cool about it. And bullies, and I don't know if they've done this TV show, but there needs to be like a bully the bully tour, like oh, get Joe Rogan yeah. and a gang of UFC dudes yeah. and go on tour. And bully the bullies. Yeah, let's actually, go get all the bullies in the yeah. ring with guys that are. Let's make sure the guys are smaller than them, but we'll just tear that ass you up. You know what? You know what though? That that would be a great idea. However, I don't think the effect on them would be the same that they had on but, us. But Dustin, Reason being is they're coming from such a dark place. You should hear about how I learned to ride a yeah. bike. I, Let Dustin finish his sentence. They're coming from they, such a dark place. And I feel like that's pain and suffering. Otherwise, what what is a human being doing that for? You're born this little guy or gal, right? And I th I don't know. Call me crazy, Mike, Dave, but I, I think we're all born good, and we decide to make choices in our life. Things happen. I agree. Life paints textures on you, right? And these guys, they, they it starts from childhood, adolescence. They're beat up, they're raped, they're sexually molested. You know, God bless them. That's horrible. And then they start to make these choices to medicate the pain. Just like a heroin addict shoots his arm with a needle. He sh they shoot up the pain and they dump it on you, everybody else, except themselves because they can't deal with it. True. I, I, I fully agree. I fully agree. I always said that. Like, I have gangster friends. I got friends that have gone to the dark side and it comes from the pain of the childhood straight up there was no dad there was a beating you know what i mean there was just you know molesting molest there was, there was neglect always, yeah. i always said gangsters need a hug <laughs> you know what i mean some gangsters need a hug now some there are always exceptions people who just chew had a good fine life on the surface but generally speaking everybody's hurt it's like the rem song everybody's hurt i've hugged a gangster yeah. Oh my God, the valley was jokes. I used to know this Armenian gangster who swore he was a cholo. His name was actually Primo, but he would be like, <laughs> "Hey, bro, how you doing?" He was so I'm Primo. 
You know, and he had like he was the only cholo that wore like a sweatsuit, like a puma sweatsuit, the suede one. Hilarious. He was so Armenian, other, but said that he was, was Mexican. Armenian that tried to be like a Mexican cholo guy. Yeah. Right, and he was like, "Hey, bro, how you doing?" You know, and it was kind of <laughs> like, "What the hell? This doesn't add up. His name shouldn't be Primo." You know what I mean? It's like, but that was his name. He drove a Camry. He was getting after it. You know, and I remember this guy used to stand on my street corner when I first moved to L.A. It was the first place I got because I was homeless for two years, working and working, and finally I got this dumpy one bedroom in a house with a dog named Smokey that used to bite at my dick every day and fly in. And there's flies fucking swinging around my head all the time. And I'd have to throw screwdrivers at Smokey to stop fucking jumping at my, my juggler and my ball sack. Anyway, I'd walk outside to have a smoke <laughs> or something, and there's Primo right there. He's standing like crunk as fuck, like a cholo. He's doing his thing. He's G. You know what I mean? He's got his, but he's pimp. He's yeah. got like his sweatsuit. Is he, is, he, is he selling on the corner? Dude, he was just standing there. He was just kicking it. That was his hood right there. It was Beck Avenue in North Hollywood. I don't. I never knew this guy's real name, right? And uh, I'd walk outside. He always showed me love. He nothing but love. And one day he was going through some stuff, and he's like, "Bro, I just had the, like guys came and like shot at me and like the stuff and the it's not a bro like essay, you know?" I'm like, "Oh man!" I'm like, "Come here, man. Bring it in. So let's do this right now." And he's like, "What are you talking about?" And I was like, "Just come on, come on. Just, let's bring it in. We're good." Right? Two guys, right? Just a couple guys getting after, just hugging, right? And he was he was cool with it. He gave me a hug, patted me on the back. He, was like, he had a tear, you know? Gangster with a tear. Gangsters get tears, too. Yeah, not even a tear tattoo, just a straight no. real tear. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, real tear. And, uh, I mean, I got a crazy story with that guy, but he, interesting, hugging the gangsters. It happens. Gangsters need hugs. Yeah. You know what I mean? If Suge Knight would have just been hugged more. See, everybody needs a hug. Free. Yeah. That's why I love that old video that uh, that Judah Friedlander did for the Dave Matthews band when he was uh, going around hugging in the music video. Remember that? Do you remember that? Judah Friedlander, the comedian. Yeah, I know he is. Long hair. He, there was a music video where he hugged everybody in the video. <laughs> but listen, this could become a psychological thing, but let's. I want to get into boxing because to me there's no better metaphor for life than boxing. Absolutely. No one to throw the jab in life. No one to mm. attack in life. No one to sit back in life. No one to move in life. No, You know what I mean? No one you got your opponent ready to get knocked out in life. No, You know what I mean? Just like in a business situation. Boxing applies everywhere. It does. So the bullying and this and that we on a psychological level yes everybody needs a hug it comes from somewhere but i got into boxing off that bully situation my dad was like yo my boy emmanuel stewart is going to send some fighters to the gym uh where you know that i run <clears throat> which was a health club and they taught us boxing on a basket on a racquetball court so me and my brother and my dad's boys kids and a couple other kids got talked got taught boxing and all the moves by Kronk, professional fighters from the Kronk Boxing Gym in Detroit, one of the greatest gyms of all time, Fourteen over 14 world champions out of one gym. Emmanuel Stewart, greatest trainer of all time, was my dad's boy. He's awesome. And when I started boxing, I was already like a natural athlete, baseball and basketball and whatnot, so I took to it quickly. And my uncles, my mom's, my great, my two great uncles, Jerry and Morty, they were professional fighters. They both had over 50 fights out of Jersey and New York and then ended up in, in Detroit. But boxing was already in the family, and I just fell in love with boxing. Oh, I can I, see, man. You got that reach. I got the reach, Sticking but I mean, I just, there. to me, it's like you said, it's a dance. It's yeah. a sweet, it's a sweet dance. It's psychological. The craziest shit happens in boxing when you spar. Yeah. It's like some really crazy thing because I, I sparred with James Tony, the middleweight champion oh, of the world. Man. I, this was 20 Best years ago. Best counter puncher of all time. 
Freddie Roach. Yeah. Love you too, man. He's a good friend of mine. Before Freddie Roach had him, he was with Bill Miller, an old school trainer in Detroit. And so I was in the gym when I was 20 years old, maybe 920. I can't remember exactly. But like I was just working out in the gym and James was getting ready to fight a title defense fight against Murky Sosa, this fighter from the 80s, 90s. And uh, I was built like Murky Sosa. I didn't fight like him, but he was like just built my same height and weight. And so Bill Miller was like, yo, Mike, you know, come on in the gym, get, get in with James. I had never sparred with a champion before. I had never sparred with anybody at that level in my life. How long did you last? I was, I lasted two and a half rounds. He didn't knock me out, but he wanted to knock me out. James is mean. He's very mean. He you wasn't like a friendly dude like that. He, was, he wears you down. He knows me well. Like, we know each other well from back in the day. Like, he's cool with my mom. He knows my family. For real. Did you get any good punches in? I did. So what happened? He's what, from Michigan. Yeah, he's from yeah he's from uh, he's Arbor, from Ann Arbor. Right? Yeah. yeah, up in Ann Arbor. Then came down to to Detroit, but never trained. Emmanuel didn't have him back then. He didn't go fight in Kronk. He fought in his own little Galaxy boxing gym, and Jackie Callen was his manager, who was friends with the family. Long story short is, I get in with James. I'm nervous as can be. Bill Miller was like, don't worry about it. He's just going to work his defense on you. Don't. He's not going to go heavy offense on you. Because I had already seen. I'd already seen James Tony knock out 20 sparring partners, yell at him, get out of the gym, mm -hmm. just a mean, mean. Mm -hmm. And if I saw him today, we'd hug it out. And but he knows what he is. James is a bad dude. He, he don't play dude. games. So I get in there and I'm moving around nervously and I'm just kind of feeling it out. And I think I'm gonna. And Bill Miller's like, "Yo, go offense on him." So I start throwing punches at James, and he's got that classic high behind the shoulder defense. Philly. I could barely yeah. get to him. But when I get to him, I catch him a couple times on the in the face, you know what I mean? A couple headshots. <laughs> and he launches out of his little cat-like stance and bam, bam, lands two two solid jabs right, right on my lips. Yeah. And no joke, I started to taste blood that I think was coming from my brain because I wasn't bleeding, but I was tasting blood. Mm. So somewhere interior in my head, I was bleeding. And James just started going to town on me. So when he, then he starts going to town on me, and I'm, I'm, I could leave the ring because I should leave the ring because I'm not in his class at all. But what happens is in boxing, something kicks in and you go, oh, wait, now I'm a man. And now you're whooping my ass and I'm a man. Now I got to relax and figure out how to get you. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden, boom, now I relax a little more. James goes back on defense a little more. And now we're actually dancing, like you said. Yeah. And it felt great. For it, it actually felt great, and I started catching him a little bit, going offense on his defense, and that was like my first moment of realizing the real heavy psychology because I had already sparred a thousand rounds with dudes that were not at his level, but when I got to his level, it was like <clears throat> it was more of a dance and a game, and I caught him a few good times, and he came back and tattooed me pretty much at will, mm -hmm. and it was like... I didn't want to go three full rounds. I was looking to get out of there early, but I didn't want to be a punk at the gym. And so two and a half rounds in, I kind of looked at Mr. Miller. Like I was just like, I think that's enough. Yeah. He's had enough with me. Yeah. I'm not Murky Sosa. Yeah. Good luck, James. And I was also pissed at James because we knew each other. I was like, yo, you didn't have to really tag me like that. Like, But I remember hitting him in the head and having the thought, this is what a champion's head feels like. Yeah. Because his head was like a 40-pound fucking bowling ball. Yeah. Was there any knockdowns? No. 
No, I didn't go down. He didn't go down. No. And he could have knocked me yeah, down. He's probably just giving you like a good, cool 50%, 60% just working well, out with you. Since you, you guys are big into boxing, so what do you think about Mayweather training for MMA? You think it's just going to be a slaughter? That's a joke. It's not going to happen. That's a joke. Not going to happen. Look, it's a joke all across the board. I don't mind Connor stepping over to fight him in boxing. And I'll be honest, he actually, I think Connor has a very good boxing you know, skill set. Uh, he was a boxer before he was a mixed martial artist. Um, but we all knew that what would happen in there. Floyd's obviously got the wind. He's got the lungs. He's got the, he's got the miles on his feet. Um, now He's a world champion, master of a sport. And yeah. Connor's like a pretty good Decent. boxer. Yeah, but he, and he's a world champion of his sport. When you cross paths like that, you're always going to get something interesting to watch. However... When you're going to go in and, and there's all this money on the line and you expect anything really crazy to come out of it, you're just asking for a letdown. You know, it's just going to be the same song and dance. Floyd just going to work him, work him and wear him down. Now, right. Floyd wanted to keep that fight alive for the fans that paid the well, Sure, and, the and Connor tagged him a few times. I was waiting for the elbow to come in, maybe a high kick, just to, just to play so some jokes. So if it's with opposite with. rules, what do you think will happen? <laughs> it's not going to happen. It's no. not, I don't even want to nah. get into it. It's not going to happen. Floyd would get it, destroyed. Yeah, I mean, he, he wouldn't want... Why would he want to risk his actual life? His health, man. It would... You, when you got dudes bans, bouncing your head off the canvas, you know, kicking you like doing these twirly kicks off a cage and just <laughs> sticking your own foot up your own asshole. I mean, look, man, that's it would be it wouldn't be good for him. I mean, it, he he's a smart businessman. He knows he's not going to go in and do anything like that. Floyd. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. But Floyd will anger you because he's so good at his sport. Mm -hmm. And for years, nobody wanted to give it up to him because it's he makes a fight look boring. Yep. But he makes a fight look boring because he's so damn good. He's just too good. Yeah. He, no one can touch him. He made Pacquiao look stupid. He made Ricky yeah. Hatton look stupid. And he made he's made everybody Shane Mosley. Everybody wants to say Shane Mosley caught him a couple times. And he shook actually him. hit him once pretty good. He yeah. did, but he didn't shake him. He didn't yeah. shake him. Nobody wants to talk about how strong pound for pound. Floyd Mayweather's strong. I'm six two, one eighty five. Floyd's five six one. 45 he's probably my same physical strength like could probably put up more weight than me in the weight room like he's a freak of nature people don't want to ever want to say what he is he's a freak of nature you don't become world champion like that it's like he's got another level of strength it's not just his speed and craft and skill floyd's a beast you can't knock him out the only guys i ever and saw and i don't like him as a i'm not like in love with floyd as a person but yeah. his skill set is next level the only guys i ever saw that really got him and rung his bell were Zab Judah and Maidana. Actually, I mean, even um, Canelo. Canelo took his, took some nice whacks at him. But I was at the Maidana fight. I was at that fight, and if you really, if you go back and look at it again, yeah, Maidana. He glanced him. He barely. I mean, he Floyd was never one time in trouble. Maidano's just a no. bull. He comes forward. It's yeah. his style. Yep. He's awkward. He's head you know what down, mean? high head hooks. down, yeah. big. You know what I mean? Throws wide, looping punches, mm -hmm. but was never gonna mess. Didn't even shake no. Floyd up. Floyd hides in the pocket and he comes out like a cobra yeah. when he wants to snake you. You know, Mike, that Philly shell defense. That that it's it's Tony used to use it as well. Um, it's it's what I like to use. It. In my opinion, there's just no sounder defense. I think Mike Tyson played the peekaboo really well because his explosive movement, 
the way he can move his head in and out like this, right. and he can come around He's with got that a good with impression that pivot. Of him. Yeah. Oh no, I've heard it. Yeah, it's really good. I'm the greatest fighter of all time. Anything else is uh, unskilligated. I don't even <laughs> want to talk about this. I'll, I'll make you my love. I'll make you my girl. I need your babies. Stock tip Dave, don't even tell me what's going on. <laughs> I've been one. to a few Tyson fights. You ever been to a heavyweight championship fight? No. No. We got to get you to a heavyweight championship fight. Mm. So, growing I up, seen him on TV. Because my dad was tight with Emmanuel and my dad's other friend, good friend, Freddie Lorenz, was the doctor for Kronk, we went to a lot of fights. As a kid, I was able to go like 12 years old to awesome. go see championship boxing in Las Vegas. So inspirational. So I was lucky. I was born in the right family. You know what I mean? For that. And me and my brother, there was one year, and I want to I want to ask you who, you who your favorite fighter is because it'll be telling of who you are. Muhammad but, Ali. Yeah, okay. So that, well, yeah, yeah. It's, it's mine too. <laughs> I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Well, once you finish your Yeah, scene. but I was just going to say, like, 10 years old, 12 years old, me and my brother are in a four-bedroom suite in Caesar's Palace, and I'm in, me and my brother are in one room, Emmanuel Stewart stays in the lower other room, Tommy Hearns, the hitman Hearns, is in an upper room, and at the time, a kid named Obakar, who was on his way to becoming a world champion, and unfortunately, Oba suffered some brain injury, and he's in, not in great shape right now. Mm. But Oba was in another room. And so we were just in the mix of boxing. When boxing, in my opinion, was in its greatest time. Hearns Hagler, Hearns oh Leonard, Hearns Duran, Duran yeah. Leonard, Leonard, you know what I mean? Hearns. I remember all that. Hearns Arguello was a bad Pryor. Hearns, Hearns was a bad he was dude, bro. Bad dude. Yo, I went to high school with his brothers. And the crazy thing about him is is the size of that man. Six, six two, six one, six two, and he was like a. He fought at one forty seven. Yeah, his welterweight status, See, man. I was too young, but my That's, dad had all those on TV. And he fought dudes that were naturally sitting heavier than he. But he played his length so well, and he had just such a crashing right, man. It was nasty. His jab was beautiful, too. That was Emmanuel Stewart teaching him how to throw a right hand. Dave, mm -hmm. we're going to teach you how to throw a right, bro. You're going to put all 112 pounds behind a right hand. you got to watch the Marvin Hagler versus Tommy Hearns fight, what's the, the first what's, one. What's the, you said wild looping. What's that? You said wild looping. What you're doing is looping. There's no – Boxing is about turning your body into a whip and using every, every ounce of your weight. See, behind your punch and there's a, there's a, it, it clicks in after years of training where you finally realize oh everything is behind this but it takes time you're not yeah. going to learn it today See, right now all i can picture is the scene of uh will smith making fun of george foreman and ali where he's like making fun of his punching going like this yeah because that was, well that was foreman's looping kind of style but foreman was a beast and was a champion at 52 years old he won the yeah. championship again again yeah. can i add something yeah i really do think the way I look at boxing is boxing is the dance of life and in all aspects because it teaches you that you have to fight for things that matter. It teaches you how to get up when you get knocked down. It teaches you how to deal with pain and transform pain into positive energy. It teaches you how to make yourself from mush into this solid stone and that it teaches you how to become a fledgling into a full grown adult to walk through life and actually accomplish something because you're going to get knocked down. You're going to get hit really hard. And like he says in Rocky, right? Sly, Sly says in Rocky, it's not how hard you can hit. It's at how it's how hard you can get hit and get back up and keep going forward. That's the thing. Boxing is that. And that translates in to every aspect of life for not just a man, but a woman too. You're, you're, you're born 
with a family. Some people are born alone. Some people end up alone. Some people end up with all these loved ones and family. The fact of the matter is, is you stand alone in terms of the decisions and the choices you make on how you want to live your life and what you want to do with that. And not letting anything knock you down or deter you. Do you think there's a reason that the some of the greatest films are about boxers? And I don't want this to become like yeah. a boxing versus MMA thing. But to me, I've studied boxing forever. I've studied the characters in boxing. I've written think stories about boxers. Mm -hmm. I know plenty of boxers. Their lives are so much richer in character yeah. and desperation yes. and coming from dirt to become yes. something a diamond. Their lives are much richer than any of these UFC guys that are, and I'm not saying maybe it's because they were born with some money. Most UFC guys usually didn't come from the, you know, the hood, and may, and may, I'm sure some have, but like for the most part, boxing characters are, boxers have way deeper, deeper, deeper stories. Yes. And I could tell you, I could tell you stories that the great Emmanuel Stewart, rest in peace, told me about fighters that will blow your mind. Like, believe it. You just remind me of like the Cinderella Man story. The yeah, real, the real Jim Braddock story. Yeah, great story. Well, look, amazing. I, I couldn't and call this cliche, but I couldn't even have come to to Hollywood and tried to be an actor uh, and try to be successful in a business as so hard as it is if I hadn't learned the rudiments and the fundamentals of boxing and getting my ass kicked first. Because this town will kick your ass if you let it. It will chew you up and spit you out. It's a great town. It's beautiful. It's full of endless possibilities. However, if you're if you're not a warrior and you don't have the heart of a lion, which boxing will very much teach you, absolutely, then you you're just gonna pack up and go home after a year like everybody else. Yep. But I, I think that you know having to sleep in my car for a couple years, having to work all these dead end jobs, getting told no all the time. Oh, there's just endless amounts of pushback, and you have to be willing to stand through all of that. You have to be willing to stand up to the dragon and punch him right in the face. Take it on the chin. Get back up. Mm -hmm. How'd you, yo, you slept in your car just because you were like, I'm coming out here to make it as an actor. I don't care if I have a dime in my pocket. I'm just going to, I'm going for it. Like you know, that was your passion. Was that deep? I was actually a musician originally. I play the drums. See, I love to hit things. I, I love using <laughs> yeah, the my, theme is hitting. I love using my hands. Yeah. When I was a kid, I was always, shut up, Dustin. I'm making sounds, noises. I'm tapping stuff. I'm ding, ding, dinging it on Ooh. pots and pans. Disruptive. You make, make him do a rhythm and then you rap to it. I can easily do that oh, for you. Um, but the, th that was the thing. I came out for music and I always wanted to get into acting. What got me into it was my grandparents took me to see the Phantom of the Opera when I was about nine years old. And I always watched movies. I had to sneak downstairs to watch movies all the time. And when I went and saw that play, it was a musical actually, because music... And then human connection, bouncing moments off of each other, good writing, all that. It connected for me. And I saw something that gave me goosebumps. And I wanted to do that. And so when I got to L.A., my band broke up. All this crap happened. These guys were doing a bunch of drugs. And it was just a mess. And uh, we were doing okay as a band. And I'm just thinking, you know, I need to be doing something else. And I started doing extra work, which is how I met Kevin Connolly. Oh, I didn't I, know I that. I worked on Entourage for like a, a season and a half back with the Aquaman parts of the uh, oh damn of the series, and um, and then now you know fast forward nine ten years later. And God, I had fun with some extras in Entourage. Hashtag me too, bro. Yeah, it's just <laughs> and and now, but but it's the cool thing is is that all of those times taught me things, and I've made really interesting relationships and met people that others would die to meet, and I'm I'm lucky that way here, and I I think what the 
what, what kept me alive was just remembering where my heart's at. And every time you get knocked down by life, it's not a pity party. You just get back up and you keep going and you stay true to yourself. You don't burn anybody. You know, don't treat anybody like you think you've been treated unfairly or like someone owes you anything because exactly. they don't. Um, just use the boxing mentality. You get knocked down, you get back up, you shake it off, take a little water. Be right? humble. You just learn something different. You learn you learn how to articulate. You learn how to create more of a um, a refined character in yourself, and that happens only over wisdom and time. Were you able? So so all right, we got it. Boxing is the great metaphor for life. This town will beat you up. What everybody loses focus on in this town so quickly because it's all flashy BS around here is that they forget about the work. And the work is what's important. Mm -hmm. And that's all that's that's all that matters is the work. It really is. Because if you ain't if you ain't putting in the work, then you're not gonna live the fun life. Yeah, it's not gonna like, just come on your doorstep. Right. And by the way, I feel like I've almost had to work twice not twice as hard, but like my social life got big before my professional life was good. You know what I mean? I became I was successful socially. Being friends with Connolly and Leo and to going out, you know, I was going out at the highest level you can go have fun at before I even had a, a deal right. at a network. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you got to really understand, like, my brain was really on, like, I need to get to work. I need to get to work. But I will keep, I'm not going to say no to Vegas on a private plane. You know what I mean? <laughs> I will not say, because that is part of the dream. Just bring that laptop I will not with you. Exactly, and I will not say no. And by the way, my boys used to see me all the time, and I'd always be having, like, before I took notes in my phone, I would have a pen and, like, a little tiny notebook always with me. And my boys, they were see, always like, what's wrong with you, bro? You're always, like, writing weird shit. I'd be writing Well, I can jokes. tell about you, Mike, that your, your thing is, I've listened to your podcast before, and the way you set up your comedy career very much sounds like it also stems from a boxing background. Because you're always writing, you're always performing for people that'll listen. You're getting your lines out, getting your getting your reps in. Yeah, getting and, the reps and, in, and that's why you're you're touring with Bob Saget now. Yeah, you got to get the reps in. There's the no replace the work. It's all. By the way, what you're gonna look back on is you're gonna go. The work was the fun. That was the fun. Like I always tell everybody, like when I I had that Young American Comedy Tour, the fun of that was set up a photo shoot, do yeah. the marketing, the struggle. We were yeah. struggling to like yes. get a, and then you get on there and you start grooving, and you're like, yo, the fun was picking out photos, and exactly. you know, you love the love the grind, yeah. man, love like the, the grind. Story, Life's a grind. The story I heard about the, the South Park creators is they spent all four years in college just sitting there writing every episode of South Park in college. They didn't party, they didn't do anything. They just sat in the room and wrote South Park for four years, and they were like, yeah, laugh now, but we'll be laughing later what is the documentary about those guys that i i can't have you heard about that like six on, days till show netflix or something for a while wasn't it yeah it's like like six days to air and it's like about their process i heard yeah. it's an amazing documentary See, we have a mutual friend to... that even told me that they said that the one one thing they like the most about you is that you're you're all about the work someone told you that about me yeah they said they said they respected that the most about you because you're all about the work who's who, who's a friend you can't I'll tell you later. Uh, tell me later. I love, I, love, I, love, I like compliments, bro. They still feel good. Yeah, but course. it is about the work because, well, comedy especially. Comedy is the most boxing shit of all time, bro. Oh, my God. I've, been, I've trained in Ramada in basements for tourists that <laughs> barely speak English. And everybody here that's back there, my, everyone who works at the comedy store, this place it's on fire right now as far as far as like it's packed making money going crazy but i swear to you there was a time where i literally was doing shows in the belly room by myself to myself just to get the words out of my mouth mm -hmm. i was looking in the mirror 
of the belly room delivering my jokes because there was this place was empty. It was like ghosted out until this like last few years when like the revolution of oh, yeah. the comedy store. No, but you're right. The last month here has been insane. Insanity. With like drop-ins. Yeah. No, it's and it's cool because you get to see a very high level of talent. You know what I mean? The Rogans and the Chappelles and like, the Attells and the awesome. Rocks. That Chappelle show you took me to was amazing. Yeah. Oh, you're lucky, God. bro. He's oh. one of my favorites. He you t- are lucky. Dave is lucky. I was actually telling Dave that recently. Um, I told Dave that when I met him. Uh, you, I know you realize it, but Dave is a lucky guy. You know how you come across people sometimes that they get it, but they also deserve it. Yeah, you know, and, and they they have like this because it, it's just who you are. You kind of in, engulf this this positive energy about you that people really, I think, love, and uh, it it allows others to come into your space and take you in, and. That's huge, man. Don't don't ever stop being who you are, man. Appreciate Just, it. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's a really good thing. Yeah, I told you that yesterday or two days ago when you were complaining and going crazy about some weird shit. I was like, Dave, just be you 100%. You're yeah. good, bro. Yeah. We got you. I like Dave. He's non-threatening. I yeah. like non-threatening people yeah. around. Always yeah. positive. You know what I mean? You're yeah. smart. You know what I mean? He's fun to hang out with, too. We're going to get you laid in the next two weeks. You know what I mean? I I don't care if we got to raise money for it and pay for it. Something's going to happen. I'll send you you a massage. He's on on Instagram with a bunch of hotties. You know what I mean? I'm going to get you. I'm going to be your Sereno de Bergerac. I'll start talking for you from behind. We'll get get going. But that Chappelle show was amazing. He talked for a long time. Oh, yeah. Chappelle went till 2.15 from midnight to like 2.15. No, no, 10.30 to like 2 in the morning. He's got so much to say. He does, man. He's... Dave Chappelle goes on Mount Rushmore. Mount Rushmore of comedy, and then we'll go back and talk Mount Rushmore of boxing. But Chappelle, here's my Mount Rushmore. Okay. Richard Pryor, King. Robin Williams. Richard Pryor, Robin oh, Williams, God. Chris Rock, yeah. Chappelle. Oh. Maybe George Carlin is that. Oh. Like, maybe that's the Rushmore because they all serve a different, like, they all kind of have a different style. And let's put Eddie Murphy because he he, yeah. he left it a, when he was on top. But there's an argument to be made for Eddie on there and for Steve Martin, believe it or not. Steve Martin was oh, selling wow. out he arenas. He's hilarious. And he's a genius. But prior to me was the comedy god. He was the comedy god. And Carlin was up there too. And sadly enough, see, because your Rushmore is very similar to my Rushmore. Yeah. Um, I am, if not probably the biggest Louis C.K. fan. Oh, yeah, and, Louis and, is a big... And Louis was my ultimate favorite. I mean, still at heart. Look, everything that's happened with Louis, I mean, it's... I hate to say any touchy things, but I love Louis. Yeah. And, and, and people make mistakes out there. And there, there was just something so honest about what that man used to say all the time. And it translated... it. You could see it translate into his shows that he wrote, which his FX show, Louis, was... Incredible. So Love well Louis. done. Uh, so well done. It was dark and funny and real. And uh, and I'm sorry that, you know, whoever he hurt out there and whoever he, you know, made it uncomfortable. But, yeah. you know, give Louis another chance. Yeah. Louis is one yeah. of the all-time greats. Yeah, I don't believe – yeah, I don't believe you should shut a man's entire – listen, if he if he raped and he killed and he yeah. did some real extra foul, yeah. you shut him down, yeah. you're done. No matter what you're – what you do on stage, you're done. But everything I've read, he did some foul ass shit. Yeah. But it's not enough to me to where you cut a man's livelihood and cut yeah. off his ability to earn a living for yeah. life. You know what I mean? Like, no, no, Luckily no. Luckily for him, he, he just needs help. 
Yeah. He just needs help. He's just twisted. He's like, whereas these guys become bullies because they didn't get a hug. Uh, who knows, bro? Louis, I, well, look maybe at, Louis got too many hugs from the wrong people. Well, that I don't too. know what happened. And Louis but, got two little girls. Yeah. Which is kind of like what I feel bad about for him is that, you know, he's got to explain that to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and I'm sure he has. But that also goes to the point of like, people out there, do yourself a favor. Don't make actors and comedians and athletes and people that are famous. Don't make them your heroes. You're going to be way disappointed. Mm -hmm. Don't make them your heroes. Let your dad be a hero. Let your fireman be a hero. Let someone you just met randomly who's a plumber with great advice. Let that be. These motherfuckers don't. They're not heroes. Yeah. They just do a job of entertaining and playing sports and doing things. And if they're great people, that's just added beautiful. That's just great. But don't make them your hero before you ever meet them or hear them because you'll be lost. And I know I was already lucky because my dad was my hero and he was already in the house by the way he lived his life. But people that go out there and they're like, this guy was my hero. You're an idiot. You're an idiot if you're making someone because of their job your hero, unless they're saving lives or, you know what I mean? Don't make someone who like plays a character for a living or somebody who dunks a ball or skates down the ice. Don't make them your hero. Believe me, I could ruin your whole, I could tell you stories that'll ruin your whole image of everybody you ever, you know what I mean? They're not heroes. They're just great at their job. So respect the work ethic, respect them as a, as a great at their craft. But don't say you want to be like so and so. Yeah, it's just stupid. I, I yeah. I, I look. You should never say. I'm, uh, you know, I'm not trying to tell anyone what to do here. But you, you should never say you want to be like anybody else. It's great to want to emulate someone or or live up to a certain standard. But we're all so individual and unique. We all have something so specific Agree. And to offer, and and that we're so special in our own ways through the the, the experience life has given us, and our talents. Um, want to be yourself strive to be a better you the best you boxing once again be the best you you know what i mean you don't take a guy like tommy hearns with the greatest right hand and try to make him an <laughs> only a jabber no you know what i mean you gotta take all your and that by the way that is a great boxing analogy because in boxing and i used to when i first moved to la i taught boxing because it was like one of the only skills i had as a human yeah but i taught it and like you know Rich people in LA, they'll pay seventy dollars an hour. I train people now. I yeah. have two clients, but it's great. They still. I've been with them two months. Never even let them throw a punch yet. You know what we're working on first? Footwork. Footwork. All foundation. Yeah. Knowing the ground. Yeah. Know the earth that you stand on. Yeah, it's beautiful. When you start getting your feet involved, which you have to do right away, it's like mm -hmm. the best because. I mean, we can go there all day. Where does like, the punch can, come from? Exactly. Feel those feet. Feel the feet. Like I know, yeah. I know when I roll on my back right before I See, turn. That's it. why I think I'd probably be yeah. pretty fast to fall. <laughs> it's balance. Because you have bad feet. Well, no. Well, because I, you know, I, I got that longboard skateboard that helped my balance. Because got to lean both ways, and so I think I could hold my own. But I think I, you know, <laughs> I think that's just what I love about boxing so much is that you can use so many analogies yeah. in, that come from life itself to boxing. I mean, like a few moments ago, I called boxing the dance of life. Yeah, you know the lesson of life. The, the it's the 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 craft of life, really, if you will. It teaches you everything about actual human life. Did you get a chance to see Deontay Wilder fight Ortiz last week? No, no, I wanted to, but I was I was doing something. What at the a time. fight! Was that I, a good it, one? It started off boring as can be. 
but it, it it there was just it's it's exactly what we talk about the tides turned twice yeah and you know Deontay came back and and took him out and knocked him out in like a real awkward way but Ortiz had him hurt and finished but he got saved by the bell oh. so it was one of those but it's funny because boxing's evolved now to a point where I'm not really happy with boxing because no I come from the a different era of of amazement like i was i saw holyfield bow trilogy two heavyweight warriors going toe to toe trading blow for blow yeah and like nowadays you got like a dude and deontay wilder's dope he's a great athlete world-class athlete and now you know you call him where you know he's a world-class boxer he's the champion of the world but it's interesting to me that like you could tell he didn't get the foundation of boxing like a holy field coming from the Olympics and having a you know hundreds of fights in the amateurs, or even or a Muhammad Ali or even a or or, or Riddick Bo. He's does you know you can you can see that he's more of like a superstar athlete turned boxer yeah. you know than a boxer. I, I saw Chuck Liddell the other day. <laughs> Dave, it's all Chuck. You huh? are the king of randomness. Yeah, he's, he's not a boxer, but he is a UFC yeah, badass, UFC and I've legend. met him too. Oh, this is my brother. Let me just answer my... Let's keep talking, but I just want to make sure everything's okay because my brother was uh, with my mom. I just want to make sure they're good. For sure. Hello? Yo. What up? Yo, I talked to Paul. Um, yo, I'm, I'm at my podcast. Is everything all right? Are you on the air? I'm on, yeah, I'm on the air. Oh, don't put... Don't no, put this no, I won't. I won't. <laughs> so I'll call you. I'll call you when I'm done, but is everything cool? That's what I figured. Okay, I'll call you. I'll call you back. Bye. Brother Young, I remember listening to the uh, the, ser- the episode you had with your brother on there. He's he seems like a really cool guy. You guys seem like very different but similar in a lot of ways. We too. are completely different but similar. That's you, I, you caught that. I could tell you guys are tight. You yeah. know what I mean? Like you guys sit down and have family dinners. Mom's throwing <laughs> jabs. You're throwing jabs. Brothers throwing jabs. I love that, man. That's that's it's the funny. real stuff. My brother is more of a Mike Tyson style fight. So my brother boxed too, but not as much as I did. But my brother is one of those freaks of nature mm-hmm. who was born stronger Strong. than everybody, who walked on a Division One football team after training for a week because he was just a crazy athlete. <laughs> Man. He was actually a crazy, amazing baseball player that could have gone wow. pro if he stuck to it, but he was a discipline problem. But he's... You know, my uncles were like, yeah, Mike, you look pretty good, but if your brother wanted to turn pro, we would turn him pro right now. <laughs> like, he would take – he's a beast. He's got that next-level shit. And it's how he is in life. He's, you know what I mean, the sweetest guy. Everyone who meets him is like, God, your brother's like the nicest, nicest guy. Dude, I'm like, yeah. you can be the nicest guy when you can kill everybody. Yeah. You know what I mean? When you can <laughs> – that's like the, yeah. the – that's the humble thing. That's like oh, you yeah. meet professional boxers – Tommy Hearns is one of the sweetest, most soft. By the way, for some reason, Connolly doesn't believe that I know Tommy Hearns. It's like a ridiculous really? thing. And every time I talk about it, he's like, Young, you're telling me that if I went up to Tommy Hearns and I said I know Mike Young, what would he say? I would. I said, he would say, tell his mom I said hi. I've known Tommy. I went to high school <laughs> with his awesome. brothers. I know Hearns. But my point is, is that Tommy, when he meets you, he shakes your hand soft. Yeah. yeah. How's it going, Michael? How you doing? Everything? How's your mom? Yeah, Everything wow. good? You know what I mean? Soft as can be. But yeah. it's because he has been in the wars of the world yeah. and will take your head off of your shoulders yeah. with one dangerous, dangerous snapping yeah. right hand. Yeah. 
Which, by the way, Emmanuel turned it into a dangerous right hand because told, he told me when Tommy Hearns came in to first start boxing, you know, Tommy was just lanky, 6'2", 147, but he didn't know how to throw that right hand. He had his jab and his his legs were, his balance wasn't great, and Emmanuel saw the potential in turning this thing into a whip, mm. and he just refined it and refined mm-hmm. it until you saw what he did for the rest of I mean, he, there's a... If you want to pull up Hearns versus Duran and watch Roberto Duran get his get shit pummeled. knocked I love, out. I love the Hagler Hearns because... Best three rounds of boxing. I wrote something about it recently. Yeah, the the way he lit Hag And Hagler was such a... His, again, talking about cinder block for a head. Cinder block. Hagler, right? Yeah. Fuck. Best head in boxing. And Tommy Hearns was just devastatingly crushing his hand over Hagler's head, just pummeling this guy. I mean, his face was polyped. You know, that was one of the best fights I've ever seen besides some of the Ali fights and the Gotti Ward number one fight, which I was oh, going to say man. on top top of my top favorite fighter will always be not just because as a boxer, but as a person is Muhammad Ali. Um, my second would have to be, I mean, there's so many, it's hard to even say this, but, Sugar Ray? but my, my second favorite would have to be because of his heart would be Arturo Gotti. I liked Arturo Gotti a lot because... He was like sort of the epitome of what a fighter actually is. Oh, yeah. He lived his life like a fighter, man. And he, he got beat up a lot. But the guy always stood right in front of you and crushed you to the body, crushed you to the head, made you pay. You'd split his eyeball open. His freaking eyebrow would be hanging off, but he'd sit right in front of you. Straight warrior. And filled with demons, as we know, because yeah. if you follow his career and life, and he died yeah. tragically. But Gotti as a fighter was definitely, he was the epitome of a warrior. Yes. And it's funny, if you've ever had your bell rung or you've ever been close to being knocked out, you, there's like this little moment where you still have your wits about you. Yeah. And it's almost it's just this really crazy feeling, and you can I I just know it because I felt it before, but there's like this little piece of you that's still got like war in you, like that can, yeah. and it's almost like you're comfortably out on your feet, yeah, and you're just not gonna let yourself fall, so you're yeah. gonna go to war. It's the craziest. It is. It, it, it's the craziest thing that happens to the human survival. Yeah. You know, and I've been beat up before. Mm-hmm. You know, and I I don't want to get into that because that's just a dark chapter but i've i've felt what it is to be knocked out on your feet before yeah and to still come back throwing and to ping pong it back and to get your lifeblood back yeah i mean there's a bunch of the of, of, of incredible fights like that to me that holyfield bow trilogy oh, bro, yeah, those ridiculous. were two giant men yeah. teeing off on each other at the <laughs> highest athletic level and and every fight one was in trouble did, yeah. Holy, did holyfield get enough credit or what for a long time, I think Holyfield did not get the credit he deserved because because Holyfield was fighting at 190 pounds as a heavyweight. A lot of times, he was a small heavyweight. Cruiserweight first. He was a right. yeah. He was a he was a cruiserweight first, and then went up, stepped into the 220 pound area. Well, anything over 200 pounds in boxing is heavyweight. But he like, uh, he he stepped in. He fought at cruiser for a little while in the, think, in the late 80s and early 90s until he, he fought light heavy didn't yeah, tyson light, light dodge him yeah. Yeah. didn't tyson like dodge him like for like 12 years like from like the 84 olympics on tyson i was at the fight where he bit his ear off me wow. and my me and my brother were at that wow. fight did wow. you see the commercial recently where where tyson walks up to holyfield's door he opens the door and tyson's like sorry vanza here's no. your ear and they, no. and they hug it out 
No, I didn't see that. And commercial. then he looks at the camera. <laughs> I never he looks saw at the that camera because it's over. It's his over the shoulder of Holyfield looking at Mike, right? And then it cuts to Holyfield. And he's like, "The fuck!" He looks at Mike, and he's the idiot. And then they go in and they have a hug. And Mike looks at the camera, and he's like, <laughs> "That's a real commercial." It's a commercial. Yeah. What the fuck was it even for? It was I never even saw it. It's probably Super Bowl. I'm guessing. No, it was a commercial. It was a legitimate commercial, like some kind of like uh, I don't know insurance thing or something. I so know. I read the book Fire and Fear, written by Jose Torres, about Mike Tyson's life. And you talk about somebody who didn't have a great – his childhood was so messed up that you – he's lucky to be alive. You see what he went through, what he was – he took – he got – not only he, he got not only was he born broke, poor, no mother. His mom was around for a minute, no father. You know what I mean? Uh, mm. Just like bullied beyond belief, was way fat and big for his age, so everybody picked on him, had a high yeah. voice. He was coming out like a demon. And you 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 read his story about his life, and luckily he had some freak athleticism and some freak strength, yeah. and he was actually able to turn it into something. But, I mean, Mike Tyson, bro, he was... Yeah. I mean, he was a stick-up kid, straight up. He was oh, yeah. he was pulling out guns, shooting them into fucking crowds of dudes. Yeah. You know what I mean, he knew his boy had a beef at a high school. He went up to the school, started firing, didn't know who he shot, ran <laughs> oh, away. Man. Like, there's a scene in there. And he also had a little twisted mentality. So, like, you know, kids play doctor with, like, things, and he's... Not Mike Tyson. His brother was sleeping, and Tyson played doctor with his brother and cut his brother while he was sleeping. Oh my like, god! Like cut what? his arm. Like cut his hand oh with a like wow. arm with a knife. That's I didn't know crazy. That. Like he was on some next level wild shit. And wow. Mike Tyson, to me, he's one of the greatest characters in boxing and life yeah. history. Yeah. Because here's somebody that talk about didn't have a shot in hell had the one father figure who was finally going to make him feel whole as a human being who took him and sh was able to t give him a skill set that gave him a chance to travel the world and make a living but his, his demons were so Custy Amato yeah he, t he left out them in the Catskills yeah and Custy Amato saved it but to me Tyson is and I've met Tyson before I met him one time in Vegas and it was like a it was a very interesting move because I'm scared of Tyson, like, just being around him. I know, like, he does business with people. He has meetings. He's a human being. But, like, his energy was so powerful when you're around him. He's the biggest 5'11 human. Yeah. Um, I think you're giving us a signal to wrap up. I don't think so, no. No, okay. They're talking to each other. Okay. He's hey, the, how are you? He's the biggest 5'11 human being you've ever seen. His head is this big. His neck is this big. Yeah. And he's just a monster. But I met him in a hotel lobby, and he was coming down the lobby hallway. And I was with my brother. We were there to see Michael Nunn fight, uh, the middleweight, M Michael Nunn, second to none, who was amazing. And that's actually who James Tony took the title from to get to win the championship. But we're in the lobby of the hotel, and here comes Tyson. I'm so excited. I'm like, I got to meet Mike Tyson. And I go to me. I'm like, yo, Mike, like, Mike. And he, like, takes his hand, and he smacks me on the chest. Like, bam, like, like. How you doing? <laughs> and I remember my exact thought is, if he wanted to right now, he could just slap me to sleep, and he feels yeah. like he might. Yeah. And he was drunk, and he was messed up, and he was in the lobby, and Michael Dokes, the old heavyweight, walked who was his era before, but still had like maybe a fight left in him. Yeah. Walks by Tyson, and Tyson goes, "What's up? What's up? You want to do this right now? Let's do this right now. I'll fucking take your head off right now." And he starts starting. Oh, he starts a fight in the lobby of Caesar's <laughs> Palace. Oh, yeah. literally, that was, that was a big deal. Yeah, yeah. He starts starts a fight right in the lobby, and it's like 
everybody in both camps are gigantic skilled fighters mm -hmm. like dudes that will just knock you out mm -hmm. in and out of prison for years oh yeah it was a dangerous moment but <laughs> after that i was so excited that i met tyson i was like up in my room like a, <laughs> like, a like a child jumping up and down on a bed literally like tyson i met tyson oh, but great. he's you know it's it's tough you know i don't know if we put tyson i don't know if you put tyson in your top 10 of all you time i feel like you have, you have to, to even though i don't love some of the choices Obviously. I don't love that, you know, his first 20 fights arguably could have been, they were kind of padded. They were dudes that he was going to take out anyway. Mm -hmm. But once he got to the level, because I even noticed when he fought Tony Tucker out of Detroit for the first time, who was like, a, you know, a, a, cont a real contender and, uh, you know, a, a world champion on his own. I, I noticed that when Tyson fought a dude who wasn't afraid of him and was tall with mm -hmm. strength, oh, yeah. he had a tougher time. But I think Tyson, if he wouldn't have got off track, he goes on the he goes on the Mount Rushmore for sure. I'm gonna put him on Mount Rushmore anyway, just because he's Mike Tyson and he just he's got to be up. He's there. just a world class, you know, just artist. He, he Tyson's a good actor. He is actually. I've met. I'm him. not kidding. I love I've him in Mike. The Hangover, and he's got a cartoon that's on yeah. Adult Adult Swim adult that's amazing. Swim, yeah. No, I'm telling you, Mike Tyson, and I'm like, I have like a weird philosophy, and it's like to me. Somebody that provided billions of people with that type of entertainment by lot putting his life on the line, there should be a GoFundMe that doesn't let him be broke. Like no, Mike Tyson yeah. should never be broke, never, in my opinion, because they used him so badly. Like yeah. Don King, man, boxing does that. Don King used Tyson like a like a just used him up and spit him out. And yeah, yeah Tyson made a lot of money and lost it a lot that he you know messed up on his own, yeah. but. You know, if you know anything about the history of boxing, yeah. it's almost like it, it's it's weird because like boxers get used in their world, kind of like how a writer would get used in Hollywood. Like a writer's looked at like as the lowest form and gets told what to do. Unfortunately, a boxer in their world, a lot of times, it's they're like beholden to like what the promoter tells them to do. Mm. And yes, there should be somebody in that boxing world to teach them how to manage their money because a lot of them just don't know what the hell's going on. And Tyson was had three hundred million and it's it was gone. Which is almost impossible well, to think do. Think about it. They're punchy. I mean, I mean he, you you're getting your brains bashed in for a living. I mean, you're he, gonna he had have tigers and stuff all over his yard. <laughs> so he's like buying tigers. It wasn't about the tigers though. Well, here's the thing: people <laughs> forget about athletes. Peaches. Athletes they come in so young, <laughs> right? Like I, I love using NFL players in this yeah. example, right? They come in so young. They're not even 20 years old yet. You're throwing fucking mm -hmm. millions of dollars at them. They're really good at what they do. Were you smart at 20? I know I wasn't. Hell no. I was a fucking moron at 20. At you know? 20, I was getting into bar fights underage in college. Right. I think I was 20 in college. If someone threw a million, let alone $300 million at me at the time I was 20 years old, I probably would have pissed it all down the drain too. Or I, who knows? I might even be dead. I don't know. My, my point is, is that these athletes come in so early on, you know, and, and from sports like football or boxing where – you're 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 trained to kill. Yeah. You're you're just like just kill everything I want right now. And then when you, it's almost like the veteran that comes back from war. Yeah. They get home and they've just bullets flying over shells coming in. Their best friend dying in front of them, blowing up dick and balls, blowing off. And then you get back to the United States, back in your small small town neighborhood, and you're bored because you're you're hiked up on all this stuff. It's like. You don't know what where to find that adrenaline rush from. So these guys, they 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 get out of the sport. They have some off season. They're in between fights. They're in between a football game, whatever it is. And they're trained killers. They're trained devastators. And they make these choices. They make mistakes. They're humans too. 
you know. That, I mean, that that's another discussion because you want to talk brain damage, and I think it's real because I've seen it even on people. Obviously, I've seen it in boxers for years, the brain damage, but the football players and the hockey players with the CTE, it's deadly. It's so it's real. Yeah. And it's if anyone thinks it's not real, like the guy at the NHL is trying to say, I know I have a friend, hockey player, concussed, personality completely changed turned angry family broken up over it like your brain is not supposed to be bashed in or knocked around Mm -hmm. they're even starting to find things where like joggers long distance runners who are rattling their brains are starting to show little effects like the brain is precious and shouldn't be rattled and knocked and banged So now that being be- said, some people take a better punch than others. Some people one punch your bra- brain's done. Yeah. Some people, you know, take a hundred punches and Sugar Ray Leonard can still talk clearly and you know articulately. Right. Right. Tommy Hearns took the same punches. He's having a hard time talking. Yeah. You know, it's all depends on the individual. Tony too. Yeah, yeah so- James is mumbling at this yeah. point for sure. So yeah. do you think the NFL is going to last or what? I don't know, bro. I think the NFL is on its last. They seem like they, there could be no NFL in 10 years. Like for Maybe. like, I don't know. It sounds like a crazy thing to say, but it's like even the linemen that use like smack someone in the head to get by them, that smack is a heavyweight blow. And Huge. you can pad the helmet all you want, but, but you're, you're still, still taking a blow. The impact. I've Look, had, I've been like blasted. The measurements is like when they go full speed and hit you, it's yeah. like being the and a car same crash. Strength, yeah, same thing as being in a car crash. Look, yeah, I played it's football. Terrible. I played football for nine years of my life, and I don't know if you can see this on the, on the cameras. That's not only from boxing too, but I've got some crooked fingers and messed up knees and shoulder. Um, and I wasn't the biggest guy. I, I was big for like you know when I first started playing pee wees and all that, and then when I got to high school, uh, freshman sophomore year, dudes were already men. We had a six foot eight, sixteen year old on our team that weighed three hundred and fifteen pounds. Yeah, freak of nature. And you're supposed to go hit that guy in practice and do drills with him. And you're every look. I'll be on. Here's a moment of clarity for all of you football fans because I'm a huge football fan. 49ers till the day I die. When you go into a whether it's a drill or the first hit of the game, just to put it in perspective, every single guy who makes contact with another guy. You instantly, it's like when you get punched, you know how you see that white flash and those little hazy stars around the outside of your vision? Yeah. That's the first hit of the game in a football game. And then you have to play the rest of the game with that concussive migraine that you now have. Yeah. And every time you you just play through it, but it's it's horrible. And every time you go up to touch someone else, it taps you. Even when they come and smack you on the head, like, good job type of thing, it fucking sucks. Yeah. And I always think about that. Guys, not, they, they, there's a lot of celebration injuries. Yeah. yeah, no one ever talks about the celebration injury. I got one for you, Martin Gramatica of the Tampa Bay Bucks. He made a field goal. They were like a week before the Super Bowl. He, he hurt himself. He goes jumping up, throws like one mm-hmm. leg in there, goes like this, mm-hmm. fucking tears his ACL the week before the Super Bowl. Yeah, there you I, go. I Just celebrating, yeah. fellas. Quit <laughs> celebrating so extensively. <laughs> Calm down your celebration. Everybody, just celebrate on the inside. Be humble. Yeah. yeah. So like Barry Sanders, remember him? Remember him? I'm from Detroit. He was my kidding? favorite running back of all time. Greatest. That dude used to run into the end zone, and no touchdown dance from this guy, right? He'd just hold the ball and, and jog off the field. <laughs> he, Barry he doesn't wanted, dance. He wanted none of that. No Barry dancing. dances in action. That's Barry it. dances circles around you. Yo, my boys played with Barry Sanders, and they were like, he was the most difficult person to ever tackle ever. You can't touch him. 
he would come to practice and he had like a small head and mm. the helmet was always like too big for him <laughs> but he didn't care he was like yeah. so good he didn't he wasn't like into style he was like i'm just gonna make you miss every second yeah. i'm the greatest 10 yard running back of all time arguably in my opinion uh, there is no argument best running back of all time i in agree the game of football. I, I agree i agree so all right, let's we're gonna wrap up in a minute, but I want to go Mount Rushmore boxing. Ali, Muhammad Ali could have his own podcast. We could talk about him the entire oh, time. Yeah. I've been a you know to me Ali represented everything about a boxer, a fighter, an athlete. You know what I mean? He was the smartest. He was the most athletic. He was the fastest at his weight. He was he had a rhythm and a jazz music. Mu- he was a jazz yes. musician in the, in, his, in the ring in his brain. If you were coming straight at him, he figured out how to go side to side. Great comparison. If, you know what I mean? If you wanna if you wanna come at him with your you know if you're gonna just jab him, boom, he's just gonna he's gonna just keep, move to the right, move to the right, move to the right, and figure out he's gonna dance. Greatest dancer, of greatest. All time. I mean, just best jabber. He was just the most fun to watch. Yeah. You know what I mean? His jab was incredible. Yeah, I mean, he put speed and power, and that was the best combination. You know, it was the perfect combination, and he just figured you out. But above all, he was the smartest fighter to me. Oh, what turned me on about Muhammad Ali? I was a boy, a little boy, in this time where I was getting bullied, and um, my my papa, God rest his soul, he's dead now. Um, it was his favorite boxer. Muhammad was his favorite boxer. And he used to make me sit down and watch his old fights, his, his fights coming up in the 80s when I was just a boy. Um, I, I was born in 83, so yeah, I was really, really young when I started watching boxing. Um, when I got older is where I really understood and started to respect Muhammad Ali, not just as a fighter, but as a character in life. Because look at the time he lived in. Segregation, racism, Every odd against this man, the Vietnam War, and what really made him stand aside from everyone else, not just in boxing, but in the world at the time on the platform that he had, was that he decided to make a choice. In the hardest time to make that choice as a black man, he said, I'm going to go against the odds. I'm going to stay true to myself. I'm going to stand up for what I believe in, not what you believe in. I'll support that, but I believe this, and I'm not going to be threatened or intimidated or disregarded from that. Right. And Muhammad conviction. Ali, his conviction was in every one of his punches. And when what I loved about him was how much smack he would talk, and it was such a it was all a show. He made boxing fun to watch. He made boxing entertainment. When that man spoke, you listened. Even his opponents, they hated him at the time. They listened to him. And afterwards, even like Joe Frazier, yeah, and I'm sure he's had discrepancies with a couple of his guys, but you couldn't not respect them. And he was friends with them. He'd help them out on the side. They were friends. They were family. Ali was the greatest uh, on every level. You know what I mean? I wish I had half the conviction on half the shit I do. Like, if you just had, if you put that conviction into you, like, yeah. I think about it, it'd be like, I'd walk out of half the meetings that I'm in. You know what I mean? I would... That's a role model. Yeah. That's a role model. Yeah, yeah. That's Muhammad somebody Ali for sure. Like Mike, you were saying earlier, don't idolize someone. Don't want to be someone. If you're going to idolize anybody and learn something from at least, look at Muhammad Ali. 
Yeah, dude stood for something and stood for everything and never wavered on it. it he he was he's the most fascinating character. He was on another plane, another level. You know what I mean? He operated in, on another planet. I met Muhammad Ali. I, f- I actually forgot to just this second. Lucky. I have a picture of me and Ali. You're lucky. When they did the Ali movie, uh, my friend was working on the movie. She said, you got to come to the gym. Oh. Ali's working out on oh my, my life. God. I go there and I meet Muhammad Ali and he takes my hand. He takes my hand and he puts it on his chin like this. And so the picture is like, and I was—I did not, I would never touch Muhammad oh Ali's face. Are you God, kidding me? Awesome. But he put it on here. So the picture is like this. It's like, I'm like trying not to be on his face. And it's just like this. And it's this picture. But he was, you know, Parkinson's had set in heavily. He had a, he had a very tough time talking. But he still on the inside, man, was like a, bro, a freaking angel, man. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, he goes, you want to see me? He goes, you want to see me levitate? Oh my god! That's oh, he man. says it in my it ear. He goes, chills he goes "Won't that. see me levitate." I was like, "Yeah, I want to see you levitate." <laughs> and uh, and you know, he's just the class clown genius, oh, and he just he just goes up on his toes like this. He's just like, "Whoop!" Yeah. yeah, I levitated. Yeah, and that was <laughs> it. And he was hitting the bag smooth oh. and hitting the speed bag. Yeah, you know, and uh, you know. By the way, they've actually found that boxing. Helps with brain injuries. Not getting punched, but throwing punches on a bag works mm-hmm. both sides of the brain. They've actually had like Parkinson's people and like people with Alzheimer's. They've actually had them on the heavy bags and like oh, wow. you know working never through stuff. Before. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. Really something. Yeah, they're 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 finding out that just the work you know throwing lefts and rights gets the right and left brain kind of coexisting and working in you know in unison. But you know, we, I mean, boxing it's, it's part of the fabric of my life. Like to the, I talked to my brother in Vegas. He's like, why don't you join an over 40 boxing league? And I'm actually like looking into like, how do I get into boxing? Because I really don't want to get punched. I'll wear headgear and I got my headgear at home. You know, and the last time I actually sparred was in a gym in L.A. And it was like this meathead uh, karate type dude who was kind of like a bully in the gym. And I wasn't even looking to spar, but I was on the heavy bag. And he's like, yo, you want to spar? Jesus. I was like, nah, not he really. He called you out? Called me out. And I was like, nah, not really. And I was in the gym where it's like <laughs> Scott Kahn trains and some other actor dudes, like the dude from CSI. Interesting. Real good-looking black guy. I forget his name. Uh, Shamar Moore. Sh- oh, yeah. He's, my, in, yeah. he's in there boxing, you know, and this yeah. like one karate guy calls me out. And I'm just like hitting the heavy bag. I'm like, no, I'm good, bro. And he's like, come on, bro. What are you, are you scared? Come on, let's get in there. We'll just move. I'll take it easy on you. Something to that effect. I never. He wasn't like, and he was like, he was like a, more karate than I. Yeah. He came in a gi sometimes. Jesus and so Christ. I was like, this guy's, oh all right, God. I'm going in. And so, boom, I, you know, put a little Vaseline on my cheeks and my nose and put my headgear on, just chill. Got a cup, put the cup on, threw my shorts back over the, oh, no, didn't you, had the cup over my shorts. My boy Steve, who was a trainer there, who trained Shamar and trained Scott Kahn, boom, we start moving around. And, of course, this dude gets aggressive. Like, I'm thinking we're just going to go half speed, move around, move around. Whatever, we circle, we circle. He comes hard at me, ba 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 ba, throwing punches. In my mind, I'm like, okay, this is, I'm, you want to go hard at me? Now I'm going to go hard at you. I thought we were just yeah. boom. And bam, one step to the right, dropped a right anchor on him, dropped him. Dropped he him. dropped to his knees, literally out. He was out, but like he didn't crumble to the ground. He went just, it was the weirdest looking thing because he just like went two hands up like this. He was like, ah, <laughs> This guy like, sounds like the guy that Deontay Wilder whooped 
Oh, that kid. That fucking idiot that wanted to challenge everyone in the gym. That's funny. I was thinking about that kid the other day. Like, why hasn't, how has nobody just killed that kid? But I guess he's just an internet troll who challenges everyone to boxing. I forgot his name. And then he'd jump out of the ring when he had enough, and they'd be like, where are you going? By the way, thank God Deontay Wilder didn't connect with him when he swung on him when the kid was on the ground because the kid had like. He would have died. He would have died. He would have punched his nose through his bone and his brain. Deontay is a big, lanky, athletic. Beast. Yeah, no, he's a beast. And he is but, one of the best heavyweight boxers on the line right now. Yeah, no, I love to. Sometimes I'll just go and I'll watch old Sugar Ray Robinson fights. Yeah. Like, I'll just I'll go pull up old classic boxing. And, you know, it, it could go on forever. But, like, even, like, the Julio Cesar Chavez oh, days, you know. The Mexican style, man. Cesar oh, Chavez versus so Meldrick Taylor. Yeah. <clears throat> when I boxed <clears throat> in college, it was in Tucson, Arizona. <clears throat> it was all Mexican. So me and my brother were like the only two white boys down in the Mexican gym. Would you say you have a more of a Mexican? No, I do not have a Mexican come at you style. No, no, I had more of a Tommy Hearns pattern. Like I would just oh, you're jab, sweet. jab, you're right slick. hand, you're slick, yeah, 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 slick. Okay, you know what I mean? I'd figure out. I would play games play, of tag with game. you. Yeah, you know what I mean? I always looked at boxing. I always kept in my head like this is a game of tag. <laughs> you know, let game. me just like f- let me fake you out, and catch you. Get you staggered a little bit, then oh, come with try to come yeah. with the hammer. So I, I was not my brother's more Mike Tyson, Chavez, come at you, take five punches to start mixing it up. I don't like getting hit. I am I always said like I am the sensitive son of a of a <laughs> tough family. Yeah. My uncles were tough. The you know what I mean? My all my uncles were tough. Even my uncles that weren't boxers, you know, my grandfather owned like a strip club type of place in Detroit called the Purple Pussycat. You know what I mean? Everybody yeah. had a pistol. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I come from a rough background of Jewish people. You know what I mean? They're not like the Jews or this, the lawyer, doctor, dentist. That's yes, my, that, that's be- my town. No, they became <laughs> lawyers. I got lawyers in the family. Trust me. But like. We also got lawyers in the family that will pull a pistol. <laughs> like they're, they're yeah. like the lawyers that like you know they they're they're tough. I come from a tough family. I didn't like. My uncles would pit me and my cousin like against each other to box when we were like seven, in the living room like we were pit bulls. I actually yeah. didn't like that, even though I tried to prove I was tough as a kid. I actually felt uncomfortable like being. Fighting my own cousin. Well, that's the thing. I, can Very I tell weird. You, can I tell you a quick story about fighting cousins? See, my thing is, as much as I love the sport of boxing, I hate fighting because I, lo- I'm just, I'm a lover, man. I love to be around my friends. I love to meet new people, talk about stuff. I'd re- so much rather be your friend or be like a drinking buddy or like just kick it for a minute than fight you. Yeah. Um, one time, my, I was, it was when I was in a football league in school. And there was this kid that really had it out for me because I took the starting quarterback position over this guy. And my cousin was really good friends with him. So my uncles are playing an over 40 football league called PAL in Northern California. We're all from San Jose, California. Oh, I'm playing there next weekend. Send the family. Are you really? Yeah. That's awesome, man. Go ahead. And so um, I'm out shooting hoops on the court because I'm over watching the game. It's like halftime. So I'm by myself on the on the court shooting some hoops. It was like one of those old, like really gravelly courts that if you fell down, you're getting fucking road rash. Um, and these guys walk out. They walk out in onto the court, and I see this guy, and I immediately got these butterflies in my stomach. Like this dude always wanted to whoop my ass. And my cousin's with him. My cousin and I were really close. My cousin's a big hulky guy as well. And I remember something happened because this dude's all talking. I don't 
say things, especially when I feel threatened. Yeah. I just watch you. And um, he walked up with this guy, and I just saw his fist clinch like that, and lightning fast, left hook over the dude's face, cracked his jaw. He was down. My cousin threw a blow. Following up right after that, slipped it through the right hand, blap, falls down on the ground. I didn't try to go after this dude. He's crying. His nose is bleeding everywhere. Wait, your cousin threw a blow at you? After I knocked his friend out. Yeah. Oh, damn. Threw a blow at me, coming right behind me, following through with the knockout over here. Cousin swings one at me. I slip it, knock him down, bloody nose, eye, everything. I get on top of him to just really finish it. And I'm glad that it worked out the way that it did, but I have a dent in my pinky back here now. But he um, he turned his head as I was coming down because I was so hurt by him that yeah, it's your family. So, yeah, I was so like fuck this guy, you know, yeah. like the the Rocky guy, whatever his name was. But my cousin over here attacked me and stood up for this tool bag as much as he was a tool bag. And here I am by myself, minding my own business on the basketball court, and he's been bullying me for a couple of years. I was like, fuck you. And he he already had swung at me, so it was we were past the point of no return there. And I went down to hit him like this, and he he was already fucked up, but he turned his head, and I hit that gravelly asshole. And that's how you hurt the pinky. <laughs> well, Man. that's not from br- breaking the pinky back. This is actually from football. So you got an but the injury, in the, in, the, the, the injury here, like see how this one's normal there? Yeah. The injury there is from a right hand coming down on the pavement. Boom. How, did you guys ever patch it up, you and the oh, cousin? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're, we're actually really close. Um, you know, today we're not as, as close as we hey. were in my early 20s, but uh, he's, I love him to death. DJ, if you're listening, I love you, bro. At least you have a legit reason for having uh, scars on your, on your fists because my brother, when you're in college, that was a smart idea to be, you know, they got drunk. They thought it was a smart idea to go around and breaking all the glasses as break in case of an emergency. And they went around and punched it with their bare fists because they thought it was funny. How many stitches did they end up cutting their hands badly? Oh, yeah. There's there's blood in the record Honda on the way to the hospital. So they had to get record stitches. Honda. <laughs> yo, so we, yo, we can wrap it up on this, right? Because you said you felt the butterflies and then you handled business. So fear is probably the biggest motivator. And that's why the Mike Tyson book was called Fire and Fear because Mike Tyson was actually scared every time he fought. I'm sure. He was terrified. And if you watch old videos of him and the amateurs, he would be crying, like shaking, crying, terrified. But he was so scared to fight that it turned into, I'm going to kill you before you kill me. Yes. And that's kind of like... I always was afraid. Like when I got, even when I was getting bullied by the monster back in the day, I would freeze in fear. I had so much. Me too. I think I'm a bitch. I'm a puss. I am a. <laughs> I learn. I can say for real. I learned how to box so that I don't get beat up because I don't like getting beat. I, 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 I'm part bitch. I already know that. So I was like, I'm going to become the best I can be, so I don't get messed with. And it really and it and it helped, and I'm glad it did. But fear is the motivator for a lot of people, you know. And Mike Tyson, if you read his book, it's fascinating. But he was terrified, 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 terrified. And that's why when you see him, he was so inarticulate at times when he got emotional, because he's like, you know, Tyson's he cries all the time. He's you know he's got heavy shit going on in there. Yeah. And he just when he was able to channel it into boxing, he became one of the greatest of all time in the world. But 
you know, when, when the demons got the best of him, his training went downhill. When he was in Japan and when he lost to Buster Douglas and got knocked out February 9th, 1990, he, he was sleeping with hookers. He was drinking the night before. The demons got to him. He couldn't. He wasn't disciplined anymore. And he still almost took out Buster Douglas in what they think. You know, they think the count was long on Douglas. But, you know, boxing, it is a, it is a great metaphor for life. If you're not into boxing, you should just go just learn how to box a little bit. Mix it up a little bit without getting hurt, without getting hit. Go see what it's like to get punched in the face. You know what, what a mean? workout. Without yeah, and watch how you think you're in shape. I don't care if you run yeah. your ten miles, eight miles, six yeah. miles a day. I've still never you're been not in, in shape. You're not in shape. Yeah. Go try to hit any bag for five straight rounds. Go try and 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 sparring is the most to let you know you're not in shape. Hell it, it, just try this little technique called riding the bike. Take your your punching gloves, your boxing gloves, and sit in front of a heavy bag and just move your feet with your hands like this. Try to do that for one minute, and then at the last 30 seconds, speed it up as fast as you can while you're pivoting, moving your legs. And watch what that does to your cardio. Try doing, try doing three three-minute rounds of that, and then let's talk. Training yeah. tips from Dustin Hardish. We leave you on a training tip. Um, yo, so, so we're going to wrap it up, man. I love, I appreciate you being here, bro. Telling man, stories. What an honor. You know what I mean? I really, oh, come on. It, come it was on. a real treat and pleasure to be Well, here. cause you, you know, look, I don't need guests that are famous. You don't have to be famous to come in the room here. I, everybody's got stories that need to be told. And you know, you coming from where you come from and you lived in your car for a long time and you're grinding it out and like boxing kind of brought it all together. And you know, we share a similar story in that bullshit bullying that went on as yeah. a kid and it affects you and it affects you for life unless you heal that wound and like you know we've all been through it everyone's been through something so like whatever it takes to let those wounds heal but you know to me you know I, I love boxing and i love the rhythm of it the dance of it the competitive nature of it and the life lessons that it gives you yeah and i will be a fan for life and i'm probably going to go see canelo fight triple g for the second time may 5th the cool, the cool thing about boxing, which that's going to be a great fight. Cool thing about boxing, I think the most thing that you pull from it, it's not how to be tough. It's not how to be this this brawler. Boxing really, if anything, brings you together. Boxing teaches you how to love and have respect for other people because you never know who you're talking to. No. You never know what's coming next. And you never know that what your repercussions have on somebody else. Boxing teaches you all of that. Can you believe there's still loudmouth people in the world? I like, can't believe that. It's stunning to me. It's stunning to me. They're all over the place. Yeah, they're all over everywhere. The place. It, it, it's it's. I, I've actually used techniques like psychological techniques to calm myself down mm -hmm. to not want to get into it with somebody. Like yeah. in my mind, I'm wishing them love. Right. I'm literally saying in my mind, I hope you are okay one day See, that's yeah. like i hope you're that's i have yeah. to say it all otherwise i'll just go to jail and I but can't. that's all you can do mike yeah. and and look it's like we are better and stronger warriors the the strong humble warrior is that who puts others before himself See, that's why people hide behind the internet now with social media when someone offends you when someone says something to you that might tweak your feelings or your believies the best thing you can really do is look at where that comes from. And if, and when it strikes a chord in you and it, ah, you want to fuck you back to the guy, that's just the devil inside you. Yeah. And, 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 but you're better than that. Love wins. Love wins. Always. 
forget the forget the you know just work on your shit be humble if you're a badass don't hate you know what i mean and don't hate don't hate stories that need to be told we keep it peaceful we keep it love uh all right yo anything you're uh you want to talk about we're, we're gonna we're gonna exit out of here we're gonna get out this has been mike young great having dustin harnish here can they follow you? You want some people to follow you on Instagram? You like I would it? love that. Thank yeah, you, Mike. Yeah. Um, it, you can check me out on uh, Instagram at Dustin.Harnish, all lowercase. And then Facebook is just Dustin Harnish. There I am. Dustin.Harnish. Stock tip Dave. You got any last minute wisdom words? We got you in a meeting today that you didn't go to because you didn't have pants. <laughs> <laughs> that's, all, that's awesome but Dave always yeah, be prepared Yeah, always be prepared always have a, pair, a change of clothes in your car be prepared for any situation alright good yeah buddy anyway this is Mike Young you can check me uh, Instagram at the real Mike Young follow me I'll let you know what's going on with this book situation and uh, I'm back to the cave I'm on a 2000 word a day program and uh, boxing is life get into it alright learn about learn, learn who you are all right, we're out. Peace.